0: This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. This episode will be the fourth in a series about the audiobook marketing program and what we include and why. So today we're talking with Ryan Perry. Ryan is a business consultant, advisor, and the CEO of Simple Biz Support, Inc. And for over 20 years, he has helped U.S. businesses grow steadily and sustainably. He is a part of our audiobook marketing team, and I'm so glad to have him with us. Thank you, Ryan, for joining us.
1: Hey, thank you, Becky, for inviting me. Much appreciated. Excited to be on the show.
0: So let's just start off at the very beginning. Why video? I mean, what is it that authors need to know to understand why they should deal with video as a part of their marketing, both of their audiobooks or of themselves?
1: That's a really good question. And for me, I like video because it's a way of creating community that is authentic and genuine. When you write you know, a page on a website, as an example, you can write whatever fancy words you want to, you can put a picture up there, but when you, the author, as an example, are telling your story, and it may be the story of the recent book, it could be your own personal story, it's now coming from the author directly. And we get all these visual cues. It's not just the auditory cues, but we get these visual cues also. And it's just a great way of inviting people into your world as an author. And it's a great way of creating community. And that's really, I think, what more and more people are looking for, especially in the current situation. Here we are, 2020, 2021, Mm -hmm. people are really looking for connection and community. And when you can actually see somebody, it is a great way of creating that connection, but you don't necessarily have to be face-to-face. So it's it's not like having to go to the bookstore and doing a reading in front of however many people and then traveling to the next city. You can do all that on video and you get the same message across, but you can affect a wider audience quickly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what are the, the trends and numbers telling us about in terms of engaging with people that stay on social media? Are, are people more likely to engage with posts if it's a video post?
1: I don't have uh, specific numbers around that. And with specifically around social media, people like Variety. So if you show up and you're always seeing the same thing, it becomes kind of vanilla, it becomes mundane. Mm. So adding video in as a mix is always a good idea. Now, for me personally, my content tends to be video heavy because that's my background. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not a good writer. It's actually the reason I got into video is because I didn't felt, I didn't feel like I was able to write a blog And you go back 10, 12 years, you know, written blogs were the big thing back then. And video was still kind of relatively new. I struggled writing. Mm -hmm. And it's through that struggle of writing, I said, I need a better resource. And that's why I turned the video because I felt like I could talk in front of a camera much easier than I could writing. Right. And so I tend to post heavy on the video side. However, a blend is always helpful so that there's variety for different behavioral styles out there also.
0: Right, great, great, thank you. And I know that you do a lot of work in YouTube. There are other video platforms out there, Vimeo and, and what all, but what should we know about YouTube and why being there matters or helps?
1: YouTube Matters for a couple of reasons. One, it's the second largest search engine behind Google, and Google owns YouTube. So from a visibility point of view, if you want to be in front of the largest audience, these are the two largest audiences, and they actually support each other. So if you're looking at it from a marketing point of view, if you understand what your audience is looking for, and then you create content around what your audience is looking for and you put it where they're looking right then it's much easier to find where and that's kind you go back to that social media question and and realizing that social media people are looking for different things
0: right Mm -hmm. if
1: i'm on facebook i'm i'm there because i'm looking for something specific if i'm on twitter i'm there because i'm looking for something specific youtube it's kind of obvious what people are looking for as an example Mm -hmm. They're looking for video. And then more specifically within YouTube is understanding what the majority of people are looking for or from YouTube. And that is one, entertainment. And two is education. Right. So if you can create content that's both educational and entertaining at the same time, you've really hit that sweet spot on the YouTube platform.
0: Nice. That is really great. Let's talk a little bit about, like, what types of video, because you've led into that really well. The types of video you recommend. So there are all kinds, and we've got everything from, you know, really high-end trailers for films and books. We've got, you know, sort of the talking head, you know, the person addressing the camera, interviews. Like, what, you know, what are people either finding attractive? What recommendations do you have around what types of video people may want to consider
1: I think it's really finding a balance of one who's your audience and mm-hmm. what are they looking for so there there's an example i can use and and because we don't have video i can't show a, a video of it but there's a, a gentleman that has a a recovery he's he basically he's a toe shop he hose cars, but he's in a community where a lot of people go off-roading. So it's kind of extreme getting these cars. I can't think of the right words at this point, but he's going off-roading a four-by-four to help people out who have fallen off a trail that are broken and those type of things. And so he thought that's what his show was about. It was just about going out, finding the cars, helping them, getting them back on the trail, saving the day, and what he realized as he created the channel and it started growing is that people were really more interested about him and what he was doing. So while the, the rescue part going out and finding people and being able to help them was great. And that was his business. So it made sense. That's what I'm going to video. They were actually more interested about him. And so as that channel evolved, what he ended up doing is in, inviting people through video more into the daily life what's going on at the shop what are some other projects that they're doing in the shop and so if you understand what your audience is looking for that's going to be one of the key indicators and then i would say number two what are you comfortable doing if you know for me i don't necessarily want to bring people around and i don't want to be a daily vlogger that just doesn't sound like fun to me even if that's what the community wants It's not adding value to my life. So I'm going to find a balance in what I want to do. And part of it, I would say also for authors, is it, well, are you trying to educate people? Maybe you're going to teach other authors how to author better. Or is it, I've got a new book and I want to share that with my community. Well, who is your community? What what are their interests? And it may not be just about the book, but it could be around other activities that are relatable either to the author or the book, as an example, that they can bring in.
0: Right. You've brought up some really interesting things. So what I'm gleaning from what you just said is it sounds like in that initial like building of the channel that you first have to start putting stuff out there and then you start have to then you want to look at who's watching, who are they, who are my people, who's my audience and which of the videos that I'm posting if I post that mix, like you suggest, then you start to learn which ones people are responding to more fully. You know, what's getting more watches? Is there...
1: Yeah, as you start getting more traction, the analytics or the numbers, and YouTube yeah. has a great analytic platform that will give you a lot of information. Once you start looking into those numbers, you can start figuring out what's going on. And part of that is also testing oh, I haven't done this type of video as an example. Maybe I'm going to interview somebody today where normally it's just me in that talking head where it's just you statically in front of a camera talking. Maybe I'm going to bring somebody else in. And I always recommend that, especially with new channels, because you're able to invite or leverage that other person that you're interviewing. You get to leverage their audience. Yeah. So as an example, I'm on your show once this podcast goes live. You're going to give me a link. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to share this with my audience because one, it makes me look more credible. But two, I want to also give back to you and support what you're doing.
0: Right. Yeah. And you've touched on, again, some more things, some that we covered in other episodes. One is like knowing what your goals are, you know, overall, but also some of these things that we've talked about in episodes about podcasts and how that can be particularly valuable. So thank you for all that. That was really great. Is there on YouTube kind of an ideal length of video, something we should be aiming for?
1: That it's a loaded question in the sense, again, not really knowing who your audience is, your niche, what you're doing. It's really hard to say. I mean, there's people like Joe Rogan who has a very successful video podcast with, you know, he takes the video and he extracts the audio and then he's got a podcast itself. He goes on for, I think, an hour or so with his show. And typically I don't watch the whole thing, but that's okay because I'm going to pull out the pieces that I want. Mm -hmm. There are other people who are very successful doing three to five minutes. And there's other people that keep it in the 15 to 20 range. And I know there's a lot of very successful YouTubers who were like, they were really shocked that people would actually watch a half hour's worth of content. Mm. And so the question becomes, where's the value? Right. If you're providing valuable content and it's digestible. So I think those are the two pieces, right? Because you Mm -hmm. can... You can add or create valuable content that's hard to digest because it may be complex or it could be just really uh, deep. And therefore, you may need to shorten your time a little bit in order to allow people to just kind of soak in what they've heard. And there's other content. People will go for a half hour, 45 minutes, and people will watch it. So I, while I don't believe that there's a set time... Mm -hmm. Three to five minutes for people starting out can be kind of a sweet spot depending on what they're doing. Obviously, if I was interviewing somebody about a subject that was relatively deep, I'm not going to be able to cover all of that information in three to five minutes. Really kind of hard. But with YouTube, part of the problem that most creators have is creating content. Mm -hmm. And so if you actually try and break up your content into smaller chunks, multiple videos it makes it a lot easier to create content then. So instead of having to figure out, oh, I've got this idea, but it's going to be a two-hour video, and that may be a little bit too long for most most people's attention spans, how can I break it down into segments or chunks that's a little bit more manageable? Now, I've got maybe four, five, eight, or 10 different videos that I can put out over the next month or two months instead of Just this one single video now.
0: Right, right. And also, I think, you know, sometimes there can be concern around, well, repeating oneself from one video to the next or one episode to the next. And I think recognizing that we as audience appreciate. Some repetition, not endless repetition, but enough times that we can actually take it in and absorb it in the moment.
1: Yeah, definitely. Especially if you're if it's evergreen content, so content that really doesn't change over time. If you happen to land in that spot, Mm -hmm. then you you kind of have to repeat. I always use Vogue magazine as an example, and I didn't realize, and I read this somewhere, but the original Vogue magazine started out. Hi, in like everyone. The late Thanks 1800s, so much for joining us
0: today. From
1: wow. what I recall correctly, it's evolved a little bit. It's, it probably wasn't the same back then as it is now, I'm guessing. But if you happen to still go to a grocery store and kind of look at the cover of a magazine, the content's all the same. Mm. It, it really is the same. It's been rewashed, it's been reworded. But essentially, the content is the same. So yes, repeating yourself. The other thing I'll say about repeating yourself, and that's a great topic because a lot of people don't think about this, is that you can repeat yourself, but think of a different target audience. So if you have a wide range of audience members, as an example, let's say your average audience is from 20 to 50 years old the language that you use when speaking to that 20-year-old might be a little bit different. So you might put a little bit of a different spin on what that topic or conversation is in your video. And then for people in their 30s, you have a different conversation. And then people in their 40s, you have a slightly different conversation. And it's just, it's a little nuance. Right. But it's Mm going to land a little bit better for each person. So segmenting your content to your audience can also be very beneficial. And again, then we don't run into uh, creator problems. How, oh, great. I've, you know, I've committed myself to creating a new video once a week, but I have no idea what to talk about because I've talked about everything. Just shift your focus a little bit and refresh some old content.
0: Right. That's great. Really great. Let's jump into some of those details that I think people confuse sometimes or that they miss out on. One of those is the thumbnail. Could you explain what it is and give us your top tips on that?
1: Do you use thumbnails for your podcast?
0: Yeah, there are images of, yeah, from the podcast. Mm -hmm.
1: There you go. So a thumbnail is essentially an image that goes in for your static view of YouTube. So if somebody lands on a YouTube page and let's say they've got 20 videos on that page, instead of just having a random clip from the video itself, in an audio podcast you can't see it but most of the time when people are talking and i do a lot of talking head videos your mouth is open a lot of the time and youtube always has a way of capturing that one clip where your eyes are closed and your mouth is open (laughs) and that's the clip that they decide to show to the public so a thumbnail is your ability to put your own custom image up that's public facing. So when you upload the video, you add a thumbnail. And then when the audience sees your video on the public side, you get to have this picture. A couple of key things with thumbnails. One, they should be really short and sweet. So it's kind of like a billboard when you're driving down the freeway and you see a billboard. If you cram a lot of information in there, people just aren't able to digest it because they're driving fast. On YouTube, that thumbnail or that video is competing amongst 20 other videos as an example. So it needs to stand out and simplicity is the key here. The other thing I recommend with thumbnails is that if it is a personal brand, that the individual be in the thumbnail. So have a picture of yourself in that thumbnail and it should not be the same picture. So don't just take one picture And then use that across all the thumbnails, mix it up and grab a collection of 10 or 15 different pictures. Mm -hmm. And then randomly kind of rotate those images throughout. And then think about your branding. Do you have certain colors? Do you have certain fonts? And uh, use those consistently so that when people see it, just like a book cover, I would imagine. If you have a series of books, uh, Tom Clancy, I'm, I'm guessing... You can kind of tell, oh, this is probably a Tom Clancy book just by the way it looks. And a thumbnail is a brand element. So you do want consistency without it being the same. I've seen some people where they essentially make a single thumbnail and then they just change out the title.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. The
1: problem then, it just looks the same as all the other thumbnails. So it blends in and it doesn't jump out at all. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. And do you have any uh, recommended simple tools for authors to pull together images into a thumbnail?
1: There are a couple. So one is Canva. Canva Canva.com is an online resource and they actually have uh, templates built. So you can actually look for like even Facebook. You could find a Facebook template if you wanted to post an image. You could find a YouTube thumbnail template so it'll be the right size they've got all kinds of fonts they have other options that you can do another tool if you're big in the youtube is a tool called tubebuddy this is it's t-u-b-e buddy.com it's a tool that i use and not only does it give you a lot of analytic information the other thing it does is it actually has a thumbnail builder so sometimes people will actually scroll through the video they'll find a clip where you know, they're smiling and maybe raising their hand and it looks good. And then you can actually use the the thumbnail builder to add text and images and those types of things. But Canva, super simple. That would be my preferred tool.
0: Great. Thank you so much. And then um, a mystery for many, end screens. Like, what are they? Do we need them? How do we use them? Yeah. Could you help us out with that?
1: I can sure help you out with that. There is a little mystery around end screens. End screens have been around for years and years and years. And for those of you who are on YouTube and you make it to the end of a video, you'll notice a lot of times some videos will just end and then YouTube will pop up a list of, hey, here's some other videos that we think you'll like. The problem with that is most of those videos that YouTube recommends are going to be from other people. Right. If your video just ends, YouTube throws up a suggestion, it's going to take you off your channel, you're going to lose eyes, you're going to lose views. So the end screen is, a 20, is 20 seconds at the end of the video that you get to brand if you want to, but it's a feature in YouTube when you upload the video where you can add your profile image. And that is designed to allow people to easily subscribe to you. So if you've ever seen the little circle and the uh, page profile image and then a lot of times boxes, most people have like two boxes in the bottom left and the bottom right, as an example. And they'll actually say in that last 20 seconds, hey, everybody, thanks. If you like this video, like, subscribe, and check out down below, here's some other videos. And what they're pointing to are those two boxes where you as a user get to choose what content you wanna direct your users to. The end screen's only 20 seconds long. So you can either just have these boxes pop up over the last 20 seconds of your video Mm-hmm. So sometimes people will do outtakes. It'll be like, hey, I was oh, oh okay, I got to restart and it just shows that human nature in that last 20 seconds makes it a little bit more real and authentic or people will actually do a custom uh, like a thumbnail as you as an example, but it's embedded in the original video. So the last 20 seconds has to be baked into the original video that you upload to YouTube. Mm -hmm. And then they'll actually put some branded graphics. And a lot of times people just have a static end video that they always put at the end. And it's, again, it's that kind of stat. Hey everybody, thank you very much for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please like share. And if you want to learn more, here's a couple more videos about this subject. And so it's a way of keeping people on your channel because ultimately YouTube is a platform that wants more views, it wants more watch time. And if your channel, your specific channel, your content is helping them do that, Mm -hmm. then they're going to want to boost you in their visibility. So then we get into SEO and how do you be found and all that type of thing. But watch time is one of the biggest indicators that YouTube's looking for.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I know that it can be confusing when you're looking at in YouTube when it's asking you, do you want to do an end screen, really understanding, well, is that going to cover up the last 20 seconds? You know, what what do I have to do? So you really addressed that. and I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and just
1: so people know, that's not a default setting. So you have to actually push the button and say, add this. And then it's going to ask you some questions. It's going to ask hey what content do you want me to put up and you get to move it around the page Mm -hmm. wherever you want to so you have flexibility there it's one of those things play with it if you're interested
0: yeah great let's pause for a moment we'll be right back looking for a way to get some direction and help with building your author platform and marketing your books and audiobooks pro audio voices created the audiobook marketing program to help authors like yourself get the support they need at an affordable rate. We work with you to bring your goals together with our marketing expertise to create a customized blueprint, the tools and materials to build your platform, step-by-step instructions, and the team to help you all along the way. For more information, visit proaudiovoices.com and click on Audiobook Marketing Programme. Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. What about transcriptions? Is it smart to have your video transcribed? And if you do, do you put that in the description or where does it go? Kind of what's the value and and should we do them?
1: Yeah, so transcription, again, it's going to be kind of really dependent on your audience. The Easy answer is yes. And there are some times when it's like definitely, you definitely want to do it, especially if you have a bilingual audience that maybe struggles with your natural language. And so having that transcription is really important because YouTube itself has artificial intelligence that's actually transcribing the video for you. However, it doesn't do a very good job. It doesn't add punctuation. It doesn't capitalize things. If you have an interesting name or a business name, it will show up in all kinds of weird ways. So anybody who does, who clicks on the closed caption option, which is standard on YouTube, down in the bottom right-hand corner, anybody can click on closed caption. You either get two choices. You get the YouTube free version or if you want to actually transcribe your audio and make sure that it's capitalized, punctuated correctly, all the words are spelled correctly, then yes, I recommend doing that. And you can transcribe in other languages also and upload those. So if you have a Spanish speaking audience, as an example, and you want to have that closed captions show up down in the bottom in Spanish, you can actually transcribe into other languages. I've done that for my own channel because I get a lot of people from India as an example, more tech stuff. So a lot of the tech stuff that I do around YouTube and the how to, I'll actually transcribe it and I forget what the what the language is, but I'll transcribe it for that region of the world mm-hmm. because when I look at my analytics, I see that a lot of a lot of them are watching. Right. And so I want to make it as easy for them to to digest my content.
0: That's beautiful. So I should probably ask, what tool or tools you recommend for transcription?
1: There are a lot of tools out there. I use Otter, which is O-T-T-E-R dot I-O. It is also a AI-based, artificial intelligence-based transcription service, however you pay for it. So I found that it does a better job but I still have to go through and read through the transcription. And I always make some edits and changes to clean it up. And then there's other transcription services that are much more expensive, like buck to two bucks a minute, right. where you're actually getting a human transcription service. Right. Right. And that the quality is much better. So it depends. I like to read through my content first before I post anything. Mm-hmm. So typically I use Otter AI because I found that the quality is good enough for my needs. Yeah. But if you really want a hands-off approach, I would recommend human-based transcription service. And I used to use one, but I don't have it in front of me. So I'm not sure is what
0: that is. Is that the uh, rev.com? That's one I know of.
1: But Yeah. If, there's there's so many out there. Yeah. There's so many out there. So I would say try it. And if you find that they work, um, great. Yeah, Uh, Some of them will actually, all you got to do is just plug in your YouTube link and they'll automatically just pull the audio straight from uh, YouTube, which is super nice because then I don't have to upload files and find the files on my computer. I just copy and paste the link from the video. Right.
0: I also have used Otter and have found it works very nicely. Yeah. Yeah. And and then, okay, now we're diving into descriptions. We've got all this opportunity down there, sort of that white space below our videos, how to best use that space.
1: Yeah. If you have, so there's two things I recommend. One is have kind of a stock something about yourself. May it be a bio, may it be hey, this is where you can get my goods. This is where, you know, where do you want to direct people is kind of the ultimate thing. Okay. And so have you should have some links down in the description. If you want to push people to a website, push them there. If you want to push them to another social media channel, go ahead, have those links in there. The key thing with any links that you put in the description is that they do need to have the HTTPS colon slash slash in front of the actual URL to make it clickable. Right. So A lot of times I'll see people will type in www.theirurl.com And what you'll see is that the text is black, not blue. And when it's black, that indicates that it's not a clickable link. When it's blue, because they actually added the full address, including the HTTP, then it becomes a clickable link. So it makes it much easier on the end user to get there. So you should have kind of a static thing. May it be a bio-author, may it be, you know, whatever it is that you want people to know about you. And it should have a link or two that goes somewhere. Right. At the top of the description is going to be whatever the video is about. And and try and be as specific as possible. We should talk about keywords, but I don't want to geek out on keywords. If you are doing keyword research, you want to incorporate those keywords towards the top as much as possible. One of the tricks that I like to do is because most people pay attention to the keywords in the title, is I'll repeat the title in the first line in the description. And that that way I get my keywords right in the top. Then personally, when it comes to me and keywords, as long as you're talking about the subject, keywords should naturally and organically be involved in that description. So I don't get super crazy about it. Like I know some people do, mm-hmm. because I believe that it should... If you're going to talk about cute cats as an example, then cute cats should show up in the title somewhere and it should show up in the description. Right. And I'm going to backtrack real quick. That section, that's kind of the copy and paste. That's always the same from description to description. You can actually go into the YouTube settings and they have a place where you can put content that's always going to show up for every video. Cool. Mm -hmm. And so I always like to put that chunk in first Mm -hmm. That way I know I'm always going to get that information about myself. I have my a couple of links where I want to direct traffic. And when I upload the video, that's automatically going to be installed. Now, all I have to do is add the specific content that talks specifically about this video.
0: Right. That's great. And I understand that if we that one of the things that we want to be careful about is let's say if we have uh, we're thinking, oh, I could I could post every all my social media profile links, I could put my website, I could put multiple pages on my website, like to my blog, I could, you know, there are lots of potential links we could stick in there. If we do that, what's the risk?
1: Yeah, there's, so there's two things that I'll, I'll say to that. One is when you, depending on what the balance is between content that's relevant to me as the viewer. Mm -hmm. So kind of that description, hey, this is, I'm interested about, dun, dun, dun. What's the value compared to how many links you have? It can get a little spammy if it's like, hey, thanks for watching my video. Here's 50 links where (laughs) you can go buy my stuff or learn more about me or whatever. So be careful of that from a ratio point of view. And then number two, remember that YouTube is a company. They want to make money. They don't make money if they push people to Facebook. They don't make money if they push people to Instagram. They understand that, hey, you're using YouTube as a tool to create visibility. But I personally like to limit the links as much as possible. And instead, I want to try and keep people on my YouTube channel. So some of my links will be around, especially if I have a playlist. So if I'm creating a video about lighting as an example, and I might have ten videos that are about lighting. One of my links is actually going to be a link back to my playlist within YouTube. And so YouTube sees that and they're like, okay, hey, this guy's sharing the love. He's trying to keep people in the YouTube community. yeah. And it's going to benefit me if people click on a link that's going to help them with whatever their problem is. Or if they want more entertainment, hey, here's another entertaining video you can go watch. It's going to help me, but it's also going to help YouTube. So I recommend having a balance in there for those two reasons. One, you don't want to look spammy. And then number two, YouTube wants to keep people on YouTube. So share their love also. And it's not a big overall piece of the SEO puzzle of how do I get YouTube to promote my videos, but it is a piece.
0: Yeah. And what about if you could just touch briefly at least on hashtags, YouTube and hashtags?
1: Yeah, so you can actually do hashtags uh, up to 3 hashtags down at the bottom so if people are searching, you know, kind of that Twitter base person who's used to searching for hashtags, I put typically up to 3 hashtags down at the very end of the description and those will show up at the top near the title on the actual YouTube page. So it's another way of kind of helping YouTube better understand what your content is about and relatable because like i said earlier at the end of your video youtube is going to pop up other suggested videos right well guess what if somebody's watching your competitor and doesn't have to be a, um, a competitor in the negative sense but somebody else that shares similar content as you there's a good chance that your videos are going to show up on their youtube channel because you're using similar words hashtags those types of things so it's an easy way to create more visibility
0: nice and also it sounds like to there's a little bit of a community aspect to that as well in terms of content creators and as a community in a sense right and you mentioned playlists and there i know there's more to tell about those what are playlists i think probably most of us know what they are but just in brief on on youtube and and then how do we take advantage of those. And is it important that we create playlists?
1: Yeah, I think playlists are probably, besides good thumbnails, probably one of the most underutilized tool that YouTube provides. And uh, a couple of reasons. So one, to answer your question, what is a playlist? A playlist is a grouping of videos. So again, if I have, let's say, 500 videos on my channel, but only 10 of them talk about lighting tips and techniques. I want to put those 10 videos together so that if somebody's really like, okay, I got to figure out my lighting for my video. And I found this great video by Ryan on lighting. What else does he have? Don't make it difficult. Don't push him back into the main channel where there's 500 videos and he's got to, you know, the end user's got to find out where are these other nine videos you put them in a playlist and now the user can see all 10 of those videos in one spot. So thinking about an author if you've written multiple books, an easy playlist is the book itself. Right. Here's where you can learn everything about this book. If it's more behind the scenes type of things, I would maybe do a playlist for that and it makes it easier also or it makes it easier for the for the viewers to find that content once they've actually kind of honed in on, oh, this is what I'm interested in. Now I can find everything that you offer. So it keeps them on your site longer. Additionally, from an SEO or a visibility point of view, playlist, if you actually add a title and description, when you create the playlist, often those playlists will show up in a Google search where a website or a single video by itself won't. Interesting. It, it's cool. not an absolute, but it's another tool to create visibility. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's another part to your question that I that I haven't answered, but I don't know what it is.
0: Oh, do you think it's important that we use them?
1: Yes, definitely. That was the part that I missed. There's a couple of reasons why I think it's important to use them. One, what we just talked about, make it easier for the user to digest your content also from a front facing, so YouTube, all users on YouTube have a, what we call the home page. That's the front facing page that if I did a YouTube search for Becky Parker Geist or Pro Audio Voices, ideally I would land on your YouTube channel and I'm gonna see all of your content. Most people will only have uploaded content showing. The problem is you got all this real estate. YouTube doesn't want to show 500 videos of uploaded content. So they typically limit it to maybe 13 or 15. And if you've been on YouTube, there's a little scroll bar on the right. If you're on a computer um, and you got to kind of scroll through all of that uploaded content. Not super simple. What you can do with playlists now is you can actually place a playlist on your homepage. And you can put it wherever you want. So I can put it at the top, towards the top of all my content. And that way, my uploaded content isn't necessarily the top line that everybody sees now. Because if I'm releasing a new book and this this is where all the buzz is, I would want to create a playlist for that book and then put it at the top where it's at eye level for everybody. And maybe put the previous book or whatever content down below. So now I get control of where my content is. Just like when you go to a grocery store, the grocery stores know to put the high value that the products that sell the most at eye level where it's easy to be seen. The the products that aren't as interesting or don't sell as well, they always put on the floor or they'll put really high because Mm -hmm. there's not as many eyeballs on them. With right. a playlist, I can control where those eyeballs are, what they're seeing, essentially.
0: Right, right. And there's another tool that we didn't talk about yet, and that is in the, there's a way to customize your channel, right? Can you talk a little bit about that and how, like, what if we have a particular video and we want that one to show up the first time somebody comes to our Our channel.
1: Right. So there's actually two specialty videos that you can do. The way YouTube looks at it is there you have two audience members, if you will. You have audience members who have not yet subscribed to your channel. So they give you a front facing page for that. And then they have For those that have subscribed to your channel, they have a front facing page for that also. And that video that you talk about is, I forget the exact words of of what it's called within the YouTube community, but it's basically your promotional video. right? So I can create a video that's gonna really be speaking to people who have not joined my channel yet, who have not subscribed. And I might go, hey, these are the reasons why you wanna to subscribe to my channel or why you wanna check me out, why you should be interested in it. And that will automatically play when people land on my channel. And YouTube knows if the person subscribed or not. Right. And if they have already subscribed, or when they subscribe and then they come back to my YouTube channel, I'm not gonna have a, hey, here's a reason why you should subscribe video, but it's going to be probably whatever my most important video is now. There I can go ahead and put that on there because I want that to be front stage. So right. great question.
0: And those can be easily modified, right? As you let's say, oh, I wanna feature a different video. You know, you can easily go in and then that customize your channel.
1: Yeah. And they and YouTube has actually made it very simple. They have YouTube has what they call Studio YouTube Studio. That's the back end feature as the owner of YouTube. That's where you get to upload all your content. You can see analytics on the left hand side. There's a menu bar and I think it says customization is the exact word or something around customized customization that's where you'll get access to uh, changing out your homepage for viewers. All right. Great.
0: Great. Well, wow, we have covered a tremendous amount of territory, I think, in the YouTube world. Is there anything else that we I didn't ask you about that you would like to add into this?
1: Yeah, I think the one thing I would like to add in is if if you go back 10 years ago, even farther, it gets worse. You had to be, you needed to have a budget to be able to record a show, you know? So if you weren't on ABC, NBC, CBS, you didn't have visibility because the technology is become so cost effective that a simple iPhone these days, you can record your own video content and put it on YouTube in front of an audience. You don't need a big budget and things don't have to be fancy. You should have good lighting. You should have good audio. You should not have a cluttered background with, you know, a million pieces of garbage behind you. Make something that looks nice, but you don't need a super polished. And a lot of times I think people think that, oh, if I'm going to go on YouTube, I have to have this polished thing. No, you want it to be authentic. People are looking for authentic people to connect with. And so just you in your office or you in your living room or wherever you feel comfortable shooting a video, even if it's outside, shooting a video that is relevant to your audience, that's all you need these days. And so I think it's a a wonderful place to be in because you can essentially do it for free with the tools that you already have.
0: Great. And... That's awesome. Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time today. And I would love to let people know, let our listeners know if there is something that they would like to connect with you directly about. Can you tell us just a little bit more about how people can reach out to you and learn more about your services?
1: I appreciate that. And thank you again for inviting me on the show. The uh, two best ways would be the website, simplebizsupport.com, biz being B-I-Z. And then, obviously, if you're interested in learning more about YouTube, I would recommend checking out my YouTube channel, which you can just go into the search bar in YouTube and type simplebizsupport there. And i uh, be more than happy to answer any questions that people have. Awesome.
0: Thank you so much. And thank you also just for being a part of our awesome audiobook marketing program team.
1: My pleasure. Um, Thank you.
0: If anyone has further questions for me, please reach out to us at ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at AudiobookConnection.com.